My child, conduct your affairs with humility. What is too sublime for you, seek not. Into the things beyond your strength, search not. So the readings are all about the nature of humility. What does humility look like? In the 1920s, there was a newspaper article that every week after week, it was sending in topics on all the different problems in the world at that time. And at one point, G.K. Chesterton wrote in an opinion piece, and it was just one line long. And he said, Dear Sir, what is the problem with the world today? I am. Yours sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. That's humility. Because everyone can see that there are problems in the world. Problems in our families, problems in the government, problems in the Catholic Church. And everyone, for the most part, wants to do something to fix it. But we as human beings are divided between two camps fundamentally. And we're divided according how we try to solve the problems that we see in the world. Those who seek to change others and those who seek to change themselves. Which one would you say that you are? Because actually, conveniently enough, there's a test that you can take to find that out. Except I'm telling you about it now so you wouldn't really know how to take it in the right way. That pretty much you get like 50 questions and each question has two different answers that you can put. So it'll be like, and the answers will be according to the environment, according to yourself. So I'm often late for work. And then one, two answers would be because I lack discipline or because the traffic is bad, right? Or I often get upset, A, because other people do things to make me mad, or B, because I lack self-control, right? So each answer has to do with the environment or yourself. And according to how many you answer one way or other, you get to see if you're working out of an external locus of control or an internal locus of control. Is who I am based on what other people do or my own decisions? People working out of an external locus of control would say, my life is bad, my life is not what I want it to be because of my spouse or because of my children or because of my job, because of my town. It's other, if others were different, my life would be much better. They probably wake up every morning with that motivational quote, I'm going to make others become the change I want to see in the world today. You know, It sounds funny when you actually say it, and then you think, like, how often do I actually live that way? You know, on the other hand, internal locus of control is someone who takes full responsibility for their life. You know, My family would be a lot better if I changed a couple things about myself. My church community would be a lot holier if I found some ways to live my, my faith a little more intentionally. So it's on me. So which one would you say that you are? I think even more important than that answer is the fact that I think every single person here would instinctually want to be a person of the latter, a person of internal locus of control. We all instinctually see that taking responsibility for our own actions for our own environment, 
is a higher path than pointing our fingers at everything else outside of us and saying that, oh, life would be a lot better if everyone else got their act together. It's actually a sign of maturity. So children, every child until they hit about 12 years old, Katie, it's a little birthday girl, every single child instinctually works out of external locus of control. So everything's the fault of others. But if, we're, if we mature accordingly, if we really grow up mentally, then as we grow older, more and more of my life, I start to take more, more personal responsibility and I work out of an internal locus of control. So there are two principal spirits that are always at work in the world. We see it in Scripture and always at work in ourselves and we can see it in our own heart. One is working out of a radical external locus of control. And that's the spirit of Cain. The other is working out of a radical internal locus of control, which is the spirit of Jesus Christ. It all comes down between the spirit of Cain and the spirit of Christ. So Cain, he saw his insufficiency and he blamed his problems on God. He blamed it on the world and he blamed it on his brother Abel. He refused to take personal responsibility and instead pointed his finger at everybody else for what they didn't do right. Jesus Christ, who is the only innocent human being to ever walk on this earth besides Mary, he walks into the chaos and the suffering and the misery of evil. And what is his response to it? He becomes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Meaning he took the sins of humanity upon himself. He took full responsibility for the weight of evil around him. He took it onto his own shoulders. And through that, he redeemed us all. And he gave us the power to do the same thing. And these are the two spirits that are always at work in us. The spirit of Cain or the spirit of Christ. And we have to choose which one we're going to live out of. Think about it. That was the difference between Martin Luther and St. Francis of Assisi. Both of them were witnesses to the incredible corruption that was happening in the church at that time. But both had radical different responses to it. Martin Luther, he responded by renouncing his priesthood and by engaging in a lifelong battle against the Catholic Church. St. Francis of Assisi responded by embracing radical humility radical poverty, penance, and prayer for the renewal of the church. In other words, he took the sins of the church upon himself. And one created a whole new renewal within the church, and the other one only added to the devastation by bringing forth schism and breaking it apart. So our fallen human nature will always look outside of ourselves for the answer to our problems. While the saints show us the secret to true renewal is to go into my own heart to ask, what can I do to better this situation, to be an answer to the problems I see around me? Now, it's been said that modern man in our age cannot find God because he does not look low enough. And it's an interesting thought, and it means that God is in the details of our life. He's right in front of us, in the small things. But our temptation, especially in our times with social media and television 
is to always look outside, to look at the problems of other countries, the problems of the government, the problems in the Vatican, and blame our insufficiencies on that, which never brings about conversion. It just brings about a scapegoat that I can stone and not take personal responsibility for my own problems. If I lived in, so we'd always say, if I lived in a different time, in a different place, in a different situation, then my life could be a lot better than it is. No, this is our time. This is the only time we got. And if our life isn't what it, we want it to be, perhaps we're not looking low enough. Perhaps we're not looking deeper into our own hearts, our own dispositions, our own actions, and asking myself, how can I be a product of change and conversion in exactly where I'm at right here and right now? How can I improve my family, my government, my church, and the little things right in front of me? Or what can I do to keep from making a bad situation even worse by my attitude? Right, there's a, a woman who kept going to a monk week after week complaining about her husband. They wouldn't stop arguing about every little detail. And so finally the monk says to her, look, there's a blessed fountain outside the monastery. I want you to go take up a bucket of water. Go home. And when your, father, when your husband comes home from work, take a cup of that water, put it in your mouth, and just start saying Hail Marys and see what happens. She comes back a week later and she says, I do not know what was wrong, what was so blessed about that water, but it's changed everything. My husband and I are in such great peace now. Who blessed that water? And he said, no one blessed the water. It wasn't the water that was blessed. It became your mouth that was blessed because you were no longer engaging in arguments with your husband. It's like they say, you need two windows open to have a draft, right? So it's like, what is in my own control that I can change the situation in front of me? My child, conduct your affairs with humility. What is too sublime for you, seek not. Into the things beyond your strength, search not. Well, humility is recognizing what is in my strength and what is outside of my strength. And what is outside of my strength? Everything that is outside of me. Most of me is not even in my strength. That's why we fail in resolutions all the time. I've been fighting 20 years with the snooze button. It's like I get like one month of like, I won't push the snooze button when I wake up and then I fail, I fall right back into it. How many times do we fail in resolutions to eat right, to stay on a diet, to go to exercise, to pray a daily rosary? So if I can't even control my own resolutions in my life to change myself, it might be a little hubristic of me to think that I should have power to change anyone outside myself. I might be going after two things that are too sublime for me. The secret to renewal in life is the individual person. The problem with stating something like that is that you have to accept the responsibility that comes with it. The answer to the problems of my life is me. It's nobody else. And if I really want to make things better, I need to convert myself. Like someone told me that when the abuse crisis first came out in like 2001, that their bishop stood before everybody and said, 
This problem that we're going through is your fault. I don't know if that's true. I really hope it's not. Because the problems with the hierarchy are the fault of the hierarchy. The problems of my priesthood belong to me. No one else is responsible for my own sins. If I can take control of anything, it's that. So like people come to me all the time and say, Father, can we work on silence in the church after Mass? Because we've just received the body and blood of Christ. I want to stay and pray, but everyone starts talking right away. I'm like, that's a really good goal. Why don't you just try kneeling and praying after Mass? Like have your whole family just say three Hail Marys together. Everyone just kneel and pray. Well, why don't you just proclaim it? Tell everybody not to talk. The answer to the problems like these are not a systemic thing. It's about individuals. If you yourself get down and say, I want to have more reverence in the liturgy after Mass, enact it in yourself. Kneel down and pray. Someone tries to talk to you, say, I'll meet you at the coffee and donuts. Save me a maple bar. i got to pray for a moment. And other people will see you. And they'll be inspired by you. Maybe they'll even stop and pray themselves and think about what have they just done. So we become the change that we want to see in the church here and now rather than waiting for something to change from top down. That's how true renewal always comes about, through individuals. With so much power to transform our environment if only we take responsibility for our own actions. But the way to do it is through humility. To take the sins of the world upon yourself, just like Christ. What's the problem with the world? I am. What's the problem with my relationship with my family? I am. What's the problem with this church community right here? I am. Then what's the answer to that problem? Well, he's about to come. And when he does come, you will behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world because he takes the sins of humanity upon himself. And if you're willing to be humble, to take the sins of your own world upon yourself too, then together you and him can be the answer to the redemption of your world. That's the answer. That's humility. That's the way to redemption.